0: and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad, and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today, we're going to talk to Darshita, and we're going to talk about her business, which is called Munch, and uh, that's a business that helps asset managers uh, to engage with their investors or with their clients better uh, it also helps them to achieve ESG goals that everybody is talking about these days so I'm, I'm curious to find out more how it is how it's all done what new is coming out of this field and uh, therefore welcome Darshita how are you today
1: I'm good thank you Rudolf good morning from London
0: all right brilliant so what is your backstory Darshita how did you get to do what you do today
1: Super, my backstory, I would put it in three pillars. One is uh, finance, second is sustainability, and the third is technology. So I started my career way back in India and Mumbai. I'm a chartered accountant by background, and I started uh, working with one of India's largest uh, international bank, uh, working with their board, and also in investment banking and operational risk. That led me to the insight that Finance drives the world, but sustainability is not included in finance. So I set up a sustainability advisory firm um, to help integrate sustainability into finance. And as I was doing that work, I realized um, advisory and consulting is not scalable when we have challenges that are global and also don't require innovation in every single um, country or every single industry or sector. And the third pillar that brings me is technology. How do we leverage uh, all the innovations that have happened to really scale sustainability and embed it into our financial decision making so we don't live in a world where people making financial decisions will say oh, if I knew I, I would have made a different choice.
0: Right. So finance, banking, investing, sustainability. I hear the very, very uh, pertinent themes that uh, we need to pay attention to these days, right? So, but let's uh, dive into this a little bit more and uh, paint a a picture. What is the problem that you're solving in particular, right? At your company? What, What is this? And also, why is it worth solving? I know it may sound uh, like a heresy to the convinced, right? uh We need to do something about sustainability, things like this. All right. But well, how do we do it in a commercial environment, right? How do we do it in a for profit environment? That's basically my selfish angle to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, I would say, a very important and relevant angle in this day and age. um So uh, let me just break this down into something very simple um most of our monies uh, are invested already in companies and as we save more and more each month it gets bundled together and it gets invested again and again Um, so the best way to drive impact at scale is to work with existing companies and ensure that they are on a pathway to transition becoming greener over a period of time it's not going to happen tomorrow so when we look at big challenges like climate change biodiversity human rights um, board diversity gender pay gap i can go on and on there are lots of issues that need to be fixed and the best way to fix that is through companies and the best way to have influence over these companies is through their investors investors and then regulations so the problem we are trying to solve is how do we incorporate where companies are? Um, this is a solution that exists. Man, there are many data providers. Um, but the next part, which, where there isn't technology being used, is what are asset managers doing? And, and a lot of them do a lot, but they don't capture it. Most of them, 90% of them still capture it on spreadsheets. So what we have is a simple solution that does three things. It captures data at source when investors or asset managers engage with their portfolio companies. It analyzes this information, gives them insight around which companies still continue to have ESG risks. ESG, uh, I mean environmental, social, governance, financial and non-financial risks. And then um, What do they need to report on to regulations and how can they get companies to move cleaner and greener over a period of time?
0: Right. So, but you mentioned something about influencing the companies, right? So obviously we all know about the agent principle problem and we all know about that it's great that in the UK and the US you have many retail uh, investors in stock markets, maybe you don't have as many on the continent. Uh, but that also leads to dispersed ownership. So let me challenge you a little bit. So if the fund manager uses their tool, how does it make them more influential versus using a spreadsheet?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the first step is it's almost like we have to tackle a very big problem by breaking it down into little steps and then building the pathways so that we can join it all up at the moment, obviously everyone is tracking on their own spreadsheets. So we don't have collective intelligence to to know um, whether we are all pushing for the same or in the same direction. So the idea of using technology is to be able to join up efforts, join up data sets, um, and also automate some of the very manual process. If you think of currently asset managers, they literally go on to one system to check whether the company what is the greenhouse gas emission of a particular company. Then they'll go into another system to check what did the company commit. They'll probably go into another system to check um, what has the company currently reported on. And all of this firstly takes time, effort, energy, but if it can be pulled into one system, it can and and it can add, if we can add a layer of intelligence that does some of that thinking already for them, then they actually spend their time in having quality conversations with the company, rather than spending a lot of time just finding information and putting it together.
0: I see, all right. So because of your name, it's Munch, it sounds already like a SaaS company, I guess it is, right?
1: Yes, we are a SaaS company and Munch actually means platform in Hindi.
0: I see, all right. So. Your clients they need to log in on a web to, to some website or they have an app uh, downloaded to a PC or iPad or iPhone or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's a web-based platform, so uh, and it's really secure. Obviously, for asset managers, they require that level of uh, integrity of their data. Um, so yeah, it's built on SaaS principles. It's a web-based login, and it can be. Um, clustered in a way that they like or permission in the way that they require for their internal teams.
0: I see. I see. All right. So can you provide some more insights about the analytical capabilities of your platform? Um, how, do, how does that help the asset managers? So you said it's all in one place. They don't have it in spreadsheets. They don't, they don't waste time to look for information. But then once you have it in one place, what can you do with it when it comes to analytics and making better decisions?
1: yeah um so yeah like the way i i described the way the solution works is asset managers add their portfolio onto our system um and as they engage they can log those engagements and if you imagine a large asset manager probably with multiple teams um, and sometimes different funds will have a um investment in the same company but the fund managers will never know if this you know if they are both engaging on climate with the same company so with the system they can actually collaborate on these bigger issues that they are trying to tackle at an organizational level in one place Um, and then obviously there is a uh, need for efficiency now with all these regulations that have come into the eu uh, all the uh, widely known as the alphabet soup, uh, but um, the capabilities on our platform allow asset managers to report on various of these regulations so they don't have to then go on spreadsheets and join them up and then create a report separately. It's all built in, it gives them insights on how many companies they've engaged with, how many ESG topics how many are issues are still open or unresolved uh, what's the progress of these engagements and they can report this to regulators they can report this to their clients who are asking for more transparency Um, but they can also use case studies to get more uh, allocation or winning their new allocations through RFPs so there are many use cases for them and many commercial and operational drivers that Um, and, you know, sort of incentivize them
0: to use the solution. All right, understood. I mean, these days, companies, they need to report a lot, as you mentioned, on ESG, right? And uh, obviously, when you read the papers or, well, obviously online, but when you follow the news, I think uh, many people are a bit disappointed and confused by all of this ESG reporting alphabet soup where, There are some companies who can claim that they are 100% green, but when you look at them, this is actually not true, right? So uh, when uh, the fund managers talk to their portfolio companies about their ESG compliance, so to speak, uh, do you already provide them with some reports to start with, with all the public information there before they start pressing them on uh, particular topics or how does that work?
1: um so the way we are addressing this challenge is it's obviously it's um we cannot like i said before it's a long-term solution um the reality is that even from companies perspective there are a lot of companies that still getting to grasp with what they need to be reporting on um and then obviously we all know that the esg system is flawed uh in its you know sort of Uh, what it takes into account. There are a lot of good things that are missed out. Um, But I think it's a necessary system to have as a start point. But it's not the system that I would say is going to stick or stay. It's just going to evolve and get better and and get refined over time. Um, In terms of how we solve for this issue for our clients, I recognize that asset managers use, um, have existing relationship with various data providers. So what we are tackling for them is not that we're going to give them some new information. Uh, We actually built a system that integrates with whatever data service they are using um, but they get enhanced insights based on their unique strategy around what they need to be engaging on with these companies and to be able to track that progress. So there are many data providers, but these are one-way systems. They just give you data. Our system allows them to receive that data set and make a decision and record and log that engagement. So they have complete evidence or, and data trail of how they have been responsible stewards of the assets they are managing.
0: I see. So, which begs another question: How do you distinguish, or complement, or work with the CRM systems, say, from Salesforce or someone else? Right? Just like in any bank, when you used to cover bank, uh, you used to cover clients. You would have platinum clients and gold clients, etc. You would have meeting notes. This was all shared uh, with follow-up points within your team and things like this, right? So, when you say let's track the engagements uh, digitally, so other people can share it as well what's your angle versus systems like these or even just using plain old uh, Google Docs? I mean, if you say that you don't want to take those data points from those conversations and classify them into some sort of a rating because these ratings are flawed anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't sort of just uh, toss the ratings out the window because they are helpful, but obviously they have the opportunity to become more robust uh, than they already are. Um, And then the second thing is, um, uh, the way we describe ourselves is like Salesforce. Like if you think of in the 90s, all the sales engagements were tracked on spreadsheets or some kind of notebook. Um, And then Salesforce came along and said, we've looked at the sales process and we've created a system that really automates and and makes your sales process far more scalable. Uh, And what we've seen is within the investment management process, there aren't solutions like that. Um, So all of the investment engagement and investment management is still, like I said, done on spreadsheets. And that's what we are here for is really streamlining and delivering a lot more intelligence and making the engagement process a lot more scalable.
0: Right. When it comes to investment management. So that's great. Now. You covered a lot of these points, but if you were to look at your competition, everybody has a competition, right? So what is your unique selling point versus other solutions out there?
1: Yeah, I think obviously technology-wise, there's a lot of advancements, um, ongoing advancements. So we are continually scanning and and we're proud to say that we're really using the best tech stacks that are scalable. Um, And we're continually scanning the market also for uh, regulation. So our system is a lot more granular uh, and modular so it allows for uh, our clients to structure the outcomes in the way they want it's it's it really gives them a lot of autonomy and flexibility it's not like you can only do this with the system which makes us quite unique um, and then I would say in the end people like people like to work with people uh, we have an amazing team and all our clients really, if if there was one thing you asked each and every one of our clients they would say we really love the service we get from launch team. So I would say yeah that really defines uh and sets us apart from from the rest.
0: Wonderful so technology and people and uh focusing on investment management which is uh hopefully a less crowded space for you than the general sales process, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, got it. So we talked about it a little bit uh, that you are a SaaS business, so but let's so maybe that's clear. But uh, let's follow up on this just for a second. What is your business model? How do you make money?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, SaaS. So we charge an annual license. Of course, as a startup, we we made you know sort of we've arrived at this rather than we started with this. Uh, we started with charging per user. We discovered that in the asset management sector, it doesn't quite work. Uh, where the budgets are ad- allocated annually, it creates friction if they want to add more users, but then they don't have budget um, so we are we've opted for a very simple business model. it's an annual license and it's designed based on the complexity size and the you know the number of teams that will be using the system.
0: All right, so you don't charge anything for integration for tailoring as solution on top of what you already have that's all included in a sense you know to set it up and connect it right yeah it's
1: pretty much a plug and play system obviously if clients want to make it personal they want to white label it they pay a little bit extra um but it's not it's not going to break their bank account
0: all right understood understood and we talked about asset managers as your clients but uh if you could paint a picture, if you can say that, what kind of uh, asset managers are we talking about? Are, I guess they are all active asset managers, right? That's the first thing or, yeah. um, or, or also passive.
1: Yeah. So a lot of our clients, I would say, are active asset managers. So they have uh, positions in listed equities and actively engaging on a regular basis um our clients are so from a geographic perspective are in uk and europe Uh, we have a few swiss clients as well Um, and um, and then in terms of um you know how they use our systems whilst obviously in in listed equities it's a pretty seamless and direct flow uh, we also starting to see a huge interest from um asset managers who have positions in fixed income as well because they are starting to look at um kpis um, that from companies they've invested in and try to engage with them not that they have the same influence as uh, equity owners but um they they still will need to track and show that uh, especially for fixed income where it's linked to sustainability um and then the final one is we've just uh, signed up a new client where they will also be tracking um the fund of funds at the fund of fund level so um they will be tracking engagements with their funds rather than with the individual portfolio companies
0: i see so active asset managers in equities fixed income and funds of funds and in the uk and abroad okay got it so what are the best stewardship practices or recommendations that you could give asset managers now that you work with a number of them? What would be the best practices when it comes to stewardship?
1: Yeah, our, I would say first step is really, you know, sort of not to make it too complex. I think a lot of them try to um, like, you know, almost like get, get as good as, you know, everyone else and the reality is it's a phased process uh, within asset management uh, there's a lot of culture change that's involved in adopting um, or integrating esg considerations it's not being the usual approach um, so i would say a balance between setting a A decent bar that the whole organization can drive towards and then raising it slowly is a better approach than trying to lead. Um, And obviously, we always recommend to use technology as much as possible so that their teams actually spend time on adding value to the business rather than doing manual work.
0: I see exactly. So let's automate what you can and then leave the, you know, insight and judgment to humans, right? Exactly. Okay. So let's also follow up on a more personal level, mm-hmm. uh, with you, you know, because you're a CEO, you're a co-founder, right? And, uh, therefore it's also interesting to know what wakes you up in the morning and keeps you going
1: yeah what wakes me up in the morning i i love I love to push myself also physically. I think uh, as a founder, it's very easy to get in the mind mess, so i I go to the gym every morning weekdays, uh, and the weekends I go take our dog for a lovely walk in the in the park and swim in the serpentine. Um, but that sort of you know sort of grounding myself and you know uh, waking up my whole body is is a necessary ritual I feel um and yeah and every day i i feel like the more and more we can enable uh, companies to transition to uh, a greener world um, i feel like i've done my life's work
0: absolutely so great idea check out Serpentine lake Serpentine lake in hyde park right
1: yes um
0: <laughs> Okay, and uh, well, if you push it a bit more, uh, a bit more, and uh, I don't want to go all the way down to Black Mirror kind of thing, but <laughs> if if you had a, some sort of superpower, what would you, would you like it to be so that you can help sort out some of the issues in your industry that we talked about?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the biggest challenge the industry faces is uh, adoption of technology, and if there was one superpower, I would say if I could push out some of the resistance or change behaviors positively uh, pro-tech, I think uh, we would move the needle faster.
0: I see. All right. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but I coach a lot of the digital transformation and digital strategies courses around the world for executive education programs. So that may be one thing, you know, where to start, right? How to become a digitally savvy manager. and before we go, I just have two easy questions for you. So, one is, what is your favorite business book or any other resource for further learning, uh, whether it comes to ESG or investment management or just doing business overall?
1: Yeah, I would. Say I have two books actually. Uh, one book is Traction. Uh, I read it long time ago as a founder. I think as a founder for any and every current founder aspiring founder. If you haven't read the book, I Highly recommend. Um, and the second book is Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, it's a fantastic book on just getting to grasp with the sector, the world, and how to run a business.
0: Principles, uh, Ray Dalio, of course, everyone knows that. So tell us a bit more about the traction. What is it about?
1: Uh, traction it really sort of breaks, breaks the business process down or at least setting up a company down into, like, what's needed to grow from zero to one. It's, it's a bit like uh, the zero to one, but it has a lot more focus on traction. Um, and, and what can businesses do to actually get um, sticky in the market uh, and get customers and, and really sort of transition um, to becoming, you know, sort of the market leaders in, um, it's by Gino Whitman. It's a really good book.
0: All right, wonderful. So yes, it's important to have a great idea, but you need to test it with your clients and you need to scale it up. Yeah. So also great point. And
1: especially, make. I, I'm a first-time founder. So it was a great book for me to just get to grips with what are the key things I cannot miss uh, when you know there's going to be COVID, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. I think nothing prepares you for it. But the book actually just gave me a sense of focus on to, to To make my business successful, these are the few things that I have to have on my dashboard, and uh, and just keeping progress on on those items uh, helps. Yeah,
0: right. And how long have you been on this journey with Munch?
1: Five years now.
0: All right. So now you're season hardened uh, entrepreneur. <laughs> no, so very much. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So great stuff. Now. One last question is, you know, what's the best way to reach out and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Uh, you know, sometimes founders are recruiting, sometimes they're fundraising, sometimes it's just looking for new clients, or sometimes it's all of it.
1: Super. Um, I'm fairly accessible. LinkedIn is the best way. Darshita Gillis, uh, G-I-L-L-I-E-S. Uh, and uh, you can send me a note. Um, and I'm always happy to speak with founders. I'm always happy to uh, speak with you know sort of young people who are aspiring or not even young, any person of any age aspiring to transition their careers into sustainability, um, um, and or technology. And then in terms of our needs at Munch, obviously we are looking for clients uh, and asset management in particular. So if you are an asset manager somewhere, or someone in the stewardship team, or an analyst, or a fund manager listening to this, um, please get in touch. Um, and then we are also fundraising at the moment. We're, we've just initiated our seed round. So if you are an angel investor and want to back an amazing team of um, uh, immigrants, female founder, female ledge, um, but also really making an impact in the financial sector, um, we are.
0: Uh, a great team to back Fabulous, so thank you so much and good luck to you Darshita and Munch.
1: Thank you Rudolf
0: Alright, just stay there for a second yeah. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceofintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.